It is time once again for Hockey's Media Day, and uh, joining us is the recipient of the Joe Concannon Media Award, and it is Brock Hines from UMass. And first of all, Brock, I got to tell you that, of course, uh, you know, it's special every year when when a member of the media, somebody that we know, receives this award. But for me personally, being a member of the broadcast media, when when another radio guy from the, around the league gets it, uh, it, it, it's extra special. And so, uh, you know, ver- very nice to see you get the award. Mike, I appreciate that. Thank thank you. And uh, and it's nice on my half to have somebody like you talk to me, who's been around as long as me from uh, when UMass came in in the uh, early mid-90s. So to uh, talk with someone like you, they can appreciate what everything UMass has gone through. That's pretty special. You know, I saw you just chatting over there with uh, Bob Duraney. Of course, it's appropriate that you mentioned that. He was assistant coach at UMass uh, that first year, and uh, you guys didn't talk about the, the, the tennis ball game, did you at all? <laughs> no, you know, we didn't talk about that, but what I mentioned, and I, I wanted to keep my speech brief here in front of everybody, was um, I said to Bob, but what I wanted to mention, and I didn't, was I thank Joe Mallon and all the help through the 90s he gave us, but Joe Mallon's brain trust was here, too. Mm-hmm. Mark Dennehy, of course, was here, an assistant under Joe, right. when we started out in 93, and so was Bob uh, Duraney and uh, um, two great guys. I mean, and I'm not just saying that. You can say that, but you know both of them as well. Right. They are two real stand-up guys. So I guess your thoughts, uh, when did you learn that you had been selected, and what were your thoughts when you heard? You know, in the early part of the month, I, I, I was tipped off, and... Uh, you know, it, it, it's humbling. I mean, th- this is great because um, it's not something like I went and took an exam for like I'm in the insurance business and I passed a bunch of exams to do something and, you know, where I did it. It's people like you and my peers that have a say in this. And that was my first initial reaction because I knew what this award was about and, you know, everybody before me deserved it. And uh, I just think that's the great part about it. Um, to have people that you're friends with and work with on a day-to-day basis. You said, especially us guys, the radio guys, um, and I know the print media is involved, and everybody else, the SIDs. That's the great part, Mike. And I, I, I'm, really, I'm really fond of that and touched by that. You know, the other thing that I find interesting is that a, a lot of the guys around the league, you know, you have the guys that, you know, you alluded to, John, who you work with, consummate professional, you know, John Leahy, who I'm fortunate to work with, same thing. But, but a, lot of, a lot of us are just, just guys like, like you and me who, you know, we don't have the background necessarily in, you know, a, the professional type of background, but, but it, it's just something that you enjoy doing. It is. I, I mean, I'm truly a, a self-learned broadcaster. I, I, I didn't go into detail here, but, I mean, I will tell you, I started skating youth hockey when I was 9 or 10 years old. I had a genius on my youth hockey team when I was about 11 or 12. I've always wanted to dabble in radio, but I never was trained professionally. He built me a homemade radio station, and he did it out of a couple of tubes in a box. I hooked it up to a turntable, and I was the voice of the neighborhood. I hooked my <laughs> wires up to what was then New England Telephone or whatever they were, uh, their, their wires, and I broadcasted. Nice. And uh, I went to some of the games when I wasn't playing, and I broadcast some of my friends' games. We played them back and everything, but it wasn't until later you know, I got into it, had some connections and friends who got into broadcasting mm-hmm. that wanted to make a career of it, and that's how I got into it. And, and so um, you know, I did have, a, I guess, a tiny bit of experience, but I mean, as far as relative true training no Mike I haven't had any and I just I kind of learned it as I went and I've been surrounded by great people who have helped me along and, and looking at the league this year I just want to ask your thoughts uh, first of all uh, how's UMass project well if they're predicted ninth in the league and I think that's probably pretty close uh, to where they should be uh, we lost between two-thirds and three-quarters of our offense 
And offense, I think, is probably the toughest thing to come by in this league. Even in the in the down days of, uh, well, I only can speak for UMass without examining other teams. We've always been able to uh, put you know put a lot of people, uh, good solid defensemen back there. We've always been blessed with good goaltending um, to keep you competitive and keep it one or two goal games. But um, a lot's gonna be on Paul Dayton's shoulders uh, this year, our starting goaltender, and uh, and the help he's gonna be getting. He's got a couple of um, some some good new blood coming in in goal, but. Um, we lost uh, Matt Irwin, which is a surprise to me, too, at the end of last year. I knew Justin Braun was going, and arguably he was probably the top defenseman in the two Cahoon era as far as defenseman next to Tommy Polk. I put those two right at the top. Um, Tommy Polk probably being the best right at this moment. At least he's achieved the most. But um, we lost a lot, Mike. <laughs> We've lost a lot. And uh, it has the potential to look like one of Toot's first couple of years. But I haven't seen any of the new guys skate in a game situation. I read a lot of press releases, but those press releases don't tell you a lot. They didn't tell me about John Quick being an NHL caliber goaltender because there were other people that came out of the same place as John Quick did that didn't even get out of the college ranks. So uh, it remains to be seen, but um, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be a, a challenging year for two. And uh, he's going he's gonna to have his work cut out for him. You know, you look back over the years, obviously you've been following the league for, for, for a long, long time, ever since it started, and, and been with UMass now for 18 years. Uh, it's a different type of league than it is than it was back, I guess, you know, your first year doing the games on, when UMass started up. The teams that have been down, finishing it at the, near the bottom of the standings, 8, 9, 10. I mean, you look at Northeastern, could have been third and ended up ninth. You know, even Providence, a team last year, had a goaltender a lot of people thought might have been the best in the league and, and came to play night in, night out. It's not like those first couple of years, I guess, when, when it was, the league was maybe one or two teams and everybody else. It's competitive, night in and night out. Well, what happened, as you know, is through the 90s, it was always the big four. It was Maine, New Hampshire, BCBU. Um, and I don't know if that, that's a tribute to the four coaches there, um, you know, and, th and those guys, you know, are legends. You know, there's a little bit of a change there, and Dickie Milley comes in at UNH. But of course, you know, Sean Walsh, Jack Parker, Jerry York came in my UMass's first year in the hockey, he's my second. I mean, these are all, you know, the records speak for themselves. But something's changed in the decade of the, what do we call it, the 2000s, the zeros, the aughts, whatever you call it where I don't know, it seemed like a lot of coaches were able to, um, there was no secrets anymore. I, it seemed like certain coaches had certain pots that they could always go to, certain wells that they could always go to and get the same players out and had certain relationships with prep organizations, junior organizations, or, you know, EJHL, those. But it seems like that's opened up and there's no secrets anymore and you really got to dig and uh, you have a coach, uh, Mark Dennehy, who I think is probably the most innovative. He's actually going backwards, you, you know, has Darren Yafik and going into the provinces right. where UMass got a lot of its players at the beginning. And a lot of the hockey's teams, as you know, Mike, right. got them from the provinces. Right. Then it started to sort of gravitate more to, if not U.S.-based players, Canadian-based players that would at least have a U.S. affiliation somewhere. It just mm -hmm. it seemed like mm -hmm. it made its way full circle. And that's the thing I noticed. There's no more secrets. That's the, right there, that's the short answer to the long one I just gave you. And I think that's the thing that I've noticed a lot. You know, final question then, because I, I know that uh, you, you follow the national picture and very in tune with what's going on, on. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on Penn State. The addition of Penn State to the Division One landscape, what's it going to mean? My initial reaction when I saw it, I think, because I was being a hockey fan, is tremendous. Awesome. I think it's great. 
Um, I just got done talking to the group here saying, you know, the one thing that I do do right, and nobody, none of us pat ourselves on the shoulder though, is I promote the sport and at the expense of some other things too because um, I just love hockey. absolutely love it, Mike. Um, but I still love the Penn State idea as long as it doesn't cripple anything else to do with college hockey because, of course, the initial thing when Penn State came in was what is it going to do to the CCHA? What is it going to do to the WCHA? Um, is it going to, if, if a Big Ten conference comes into play, which I'm not saying is a lock, but it's, you know, everything you read, you know, on the internet, and most of the internet stuff is true, haha. But seriously, they say it's going to be, it's going to happen. I just hope that they're able to accommodate and keep together some of the rivalries that have developed over college hockey, and that the schools like the Miami of Ohio's and the Bowling Greens. And I think the Denver's would be okay in the CCs, but some of those other middle schools, I hope they don't suffer, Mike, because uh, um, it'd be a shame. I'd like to see hockey, uh, college hockey stay at the level of 60. And I know in this economy it's tough, and I know Penn State's an extraordinary situation of the big gift that they got, but I, I want to see college hockey stay static, and I hope that the, it's, it's not subtraction because of addition. I hope that there's at least the same amount of teams stay in because of Penn State and love to find a way to have Alabama Huntsville very frankly if there's a way they could hang around too as well but I just hope that's my only hope love Penn State I just hope it's not at the expense of some other teams well thank you Brock uh, we look forward to seeing you this year making the trip out to Amherst and once again congratulations on receiving the award Mike look forward to seeing you and thank you very much appreciate it